All right, folks, what's going on? This is Jay Cover. This is Land Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. It is with Daniel, and Daniel is 68 years old. He owns a construction business. He's worked in the trades his entire life and listened to this podcast, previously reached out and said, hey, I'd love to share my story. If I can do it, anyone can do it. And anytime you have someone that reaches out that has quite literally decades of experience and has learned some lessons along the way, always eager to talk to them. So I want to thank Daniel for reaching out and obviously recording in addition. So this breaks down kind of his advice if he had to get started all over, how would he do it? And so really great advice. He ended up owning hundreds of acres in Pike County, Illinois. He ended up selling those and ended up buying a different farm a little bit closer to home. So some real tangible advice. And actually his, his buyer's agent back in the day was Dan Perez, even before Whitetail Properties. So he was really before, I would say, the boom of recreational land. And uh, it worked out really well. And he is offering, if anyone needs advice, sounding board, anything of that nature, you can reach out to me and I will facilitate that number for you guys to connect. And also, as always, be sure to head over to the link tree, sign up for the resource sign up. And don't forget, the goal of this podcast is solely to help 100 people buy their first piece of dirt. And whether that is me helping you here in the state of Illinois, getting you connected with someone else in the country that is an expert in the area, or just simply learning something from this podcast where I can add you to the spreadsheet and this podcast made an impact in your purchasing decision, power, or efficiency. Really want to do that there. And let's see, we're going to be doing quotes of the week about land. Let's get into the first quote of the week here on the land podcast. It is from Will Rogers and it's simple. It says, don't wait to buy land, buy land and wait. So that really, I think is the essence of this conversation. And let's go ahead and get right into it. Hope you guys have a fantastic week and enjoy the episode. All right, we have Daniel here. And uh, Daniel, you reached out via email and you listened to the podcast. And ironically, I think, um, you know, come hail from kind of the same state or at least not the same state here. And really appreciate you reaching out and got a chance to talk with you here a couple times on the phone. And um, I think what you have to share is is going to be really great for everyone. But um, how's it going this morning? Great, great. A uh, little foggy here. I'm in uh, South Wisconsin. And, uh, but anyways, uh, just came back from uh, shed hunting this weekend. Yeah. And uh, that's a family affair for you, right? Yes, it is. It's like, it's a gas. Right. <laughs> Yeah, like I told you with shed hunting, uh, my, I take my grandkids now as well as my kids. And uh, I uh, I cheat a little bit. I throw plenty of sheds around. So the younger ones, uh, you know, they have a positive experience. Some people might think I'm crazy, but whatever. No, I mean, um, I think uh, that'll, that'll ingrain some memories for them. Uh, shed hunting at their grandparents' farm and shed hunting. As a kid, I think it's a lot more fun when you're finding antlers. So maybe as you get older, uh, maybe you just enjoy walking outside. But as a kid, I'm sure finding antlers is the highlight of the day uh, for them. Yeah. Yes. Um, all right. So, um, you yeah. Know my so, story. Yeah. Well, I just I just want to get into here just a little bit. So, um, you know, I think it's always important for people to kind of know. Uh, what you've done for a living and um, that kind of sets up the rest of the conversation so they can kind of get a visual or a mental uh, benchmark for them. So what have you done for a living? Okay. So I'm 68 and um, I started, I'm a carpenter and I've been a carpenter since I was 17. Mm -hmm. So if you do the math, it's been a while and I'm starting to get good at it. <laughs> so uh, anyways, I'm a carpenter. And I've never been a, um, what somebody would call as a real, uh, uh, expert on, uh, money and how to, uh, be wise with, uh, you know, uh, investing. Mm -hmm. So it's not like nobody's going to ever convict me of being brilliant <laughs> or, uh, you know, but I have some experience. So. 
Mm-hmm. Go like, let's, let's, you know, I have some experience. So I learned from that. So I could, you know, yeah. my goal here is if I could help somebody uh, get, get into the land uh, uh, just from sharing my experience, that that's my, my, I would be, I'm passionate about that. Yeah, for sure. Well, gosh, almost running your business for 50 years, you've had to learn a thing or two about a thing or two. So what, what have you learned from running your own business for that long over the years? Like what's one lesson that you could pass along? Um, oh, there's, <laughs> all right. So here's the deal. Um, starting out, um, I had a, I had a, uh, a, uh, a really good dad. However, my dad, we had a house and things that we needed, but he was never, he was never a wealthy man. And when it time came time, when I got, you know, out of high school, um, I had to, you know, fend for myself financially. Um, so I started out, I got a job being a laborer as uh, for a carpenter. And uh, we, they were building houses and I started working with them. And when um, uh, a pivotal point, you asked me about lessons. A uh, pivotal point in my life was in the early going, I, uh, this one example is I was, they put me on a roof, uh, a house, and the carpenters would go up and they'd put all the plywood on the roof. And that was before nailing guns. And then they'd bring me in with a box of nails and a ladder. And they'd say, spend the day. So uh, this one particular day, it was, Extremely cold now, frostbite cold. And it, I was freezing. And I all I had was a set of brown, brown jersey gloves. And it hurt. And I remember at a point in time, I wanted to quit. I'm like, this is not for me. And I looked at the ladder. And it was ice on this plywood. And I thought to myself, if I go down that ladder, there is nothing for me down there. My dad, as much as I, he'd want to help me, he couldn't. So I learned early that I'm flying without a net. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, actually, that's not an answer to your question. Uh, that's just like suck it up, suck it up. Hard. Basically, is kind of what you're. It's kind of what maybe what the theme is there, or uh, um, but yeah. yeah. So that that's very interesting. And then so you know, talk to a handful of folks here and. Folks that run their own business seem to have um, an occurrence here on this episode or on this podcast. So, you know, running your own business, I'm sure, you know, carries uh, pros and cons just like anything. But what has been an opportunity or two that it has afforded you by basically running your own business? Um, in the early going, what uh, people noticed that I had a drive that I would work very hard and I was not, I was not time orientated as much as I was job orientated, but we got to do today. What's our, our, uh, what's our uh, goal for today? What are we going to try and accomplish? Uh, Then people kind of liked me because I was that way. And one man in particular, he was, uh, very, he was basically about the age I am right now. He saw this and got likened to me. And he said to me, hey, Dan, I could mentor you if you want. And he helped me break out. Like he said, I bought a lot. with. He helped me buy a lot, his money. Mm-hmm. And I worked on it. I built a house. So I was at that time, um, 19 or 18 and a half or something like that. And I built a house by myself, sat on open house and sold the house. But I, it took a mentor liking me. So it took um, hard work is not always uh, spelled out what the re- what benefits you're going to reap. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just was somebody saw me and liked me and wanted. To, uh, and, and I noticed myself, I like helping people that work hard. Mm-hmm. And they're not waiting for a free handout. Um, 
So that's that. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, sure. Well, I think, uh, I think that's great that you had a mentor that kind of helped, you know, was that one of your first kind of bigger breaks, I guess, as a, as a young self-employed person? Yes, absolutely. From there, I still had to work very hard and, um, I had to save money, right? I had to be very frugal with money because it was, uh, you know, it, it wasn't that long. Well, it, I didn't meet my my wife until I was twenty one or something. Yeah, um, but anyways, I uh, working hard. I I was good with that. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, well, yeah. Well, I I think that sets it up. So, tell us a little bit about your. I guess, desire or process or initial launch of your land journey? Because you, you really built an impressive, you know, chunk of ground and, and uh, what you've done on it is really cool too. But where does that start? I'll tell you where that starts. When I was a kid, my parents bought a house in the, uh, in the suburbs, but across the street from the house, there was a bunch of undeveloped land, brush, not a lot of trees, but a lot of low brush. Anyways, I was probably six years old. I took a walk out there by myself, just walking around and being a kid. And I bumped up a pheasant. And that pheasant scared the daylights out of me. I didn't know what it was, but all I knew was it was cool. And I just said to myself, that feeling scared me and I loved it and I want it to happen again. Um. So that's what got me started in the outdoors and the magical, uh, you know, uh, uh, nature. And uh, that's what really kind of triggered me. I know it sounds crazy. Um, I really couldn't do a lot with that till later in life. But I always had this desire. And I was, you know, I'd be in a car looking. Uh, there's a deer. There's a pheasant. There's a goose. Whatever you name it. I, as a kid, I always was attracted to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, um, okay, so I, I want to make sure that um, uh, we don't lose anybody here. So I want to get to some of the points yeah. that I think can be helpful. Uh, so, all right, so I uh, just I still have to tell you a little bit about it. So I got, I met my sweetheart and we got married. I was about 23. Um, and um, all the time, you know, as a carpenter. Um, so, uh, we wound up uh, having five kids somewhere along the line. You know, I, I saw the uh, benefit of doing work after work, doing additional work without being a workaholic and, and not being there for my kids. So by the, by, let me fast forward a little faster. Um, We had five kids and I wound up investing in some townhouses. I'm a suburban guy. And I, um, I thought that was the way you do it. You go out and, you, and I'd save some money. I was able to get a down payment to buy a townhouse and rent it out. And um, I did that. And I definitely did not like it. It was not fun. But I did it because I felt I was going to get ahead. I did that three times. Mm-hmm. And it kind of drove me nuts. But I still... I wound up having five kids um, and the uh, I was, let's just say, so that was a step I used at that time to get me to buy the house, a house that I could raise my family in. I wound up selling those and buying the house that I raised my family with in, and I had a uh, manageable mortgage in, in the house that was acceptable to raise the family. So housing was taken care of mm-hmm. by the age of 35, something like that, real close to 35. Now, the whole time in my history in life, I was always chasing money, always waiting to get paid or uh, paying the bills. I never really had a, um, extra money. Um, and especially with five children, uh, who I love de- dearly, um, expenses and money was tight always. Okay. So, but housing was manageable. Um, 
So what happened next is now we're talking about, you know, what happened? How did I get into this situation with land? But it didn't start out that I was looking to save money to buy land. It's I met a guy that was a financial advisor. And he knew that I, uh, I explained to him that I uh, my situation where, you know, I work hard. And he said, Dan, you've got to save money and uh, start forced savings. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, forced savings. I'm like, okay, um, what does that look like? And how much? And he started out with, $400 a month. I'm like, are you kidding? And he met with me every three or four months to six months, maybe twice a year. He met me. Mm-hmm. And when I met him, he kept after he kept bumping it up. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, man, are you kidding me? And he's like, yep, yeah, you can do it. And I, and so this forced savings set me up mentally. Like I would never dip into it. And I would always make the payment as much as it hurt it. Where would you, where, where were you saving that? Like in a savings account or? A- it was in a, you know, it was, a th- I think it's called an annuity. Okay. Uh, it was a thing like where if you put it in for, you can't touch it for five years or there's a surrender fee, mm-hmm. you know, one of those things. Okay. Um, anyway, so I listened to him. Now, I did that for about six or seven years and I kept doing it and he kept bumping me up. I was like, but it, you know, the next thing you know, I'm doing a thousand dollars a month. It hurts. Mm-hmm. So at one point though, time had gone by and I'm sitting there looking at, Hey, you know, there's a little bit of money sitting in here. Uh, so I talked with my wife and I said, you know, maybe we should invest in something. I got an idea what I want to invest in. And I told her, I, I thought, I'd like to buy a farm. I didn't like the idea of the townhouses because not only are they very boring, I didn't want to have uh, take my kids to help me on Saturdays repainting a townhouse mm-hmm. or replacing a refrigerator and all this kind of stuff that it took to keep the townhouse thing going, the rental property thing going, didn't like it. Um, and I also at that time um, said to myself, I know my kids are going to get older and when they get older, they're going to ditch me. They're going to want to, I'm not going to be interesting if I'm just a guy with townhouses. Mm-hmm. And um, I, it, I thought, you know, and I didn't want to be with them on, oh, they're going to come over on the holidays. We're going to talk about the weather and the bears. Didn't want to be that guy. So that's when I started thinking about land. So I talked to my wife. I said, hey, you know, this is what I'm thinking. And she doesn't, and my wife always backed me in everything I did. But she said, I don't know anything about that. But I do know one thing. She goes, I know Mr. Fry is a farmer in Indiana and he's a family friend on her side. Mm -hmm. And she said, if you if you call Mr. Fry with me on the phone and he says, I think it's a good idea, Dan, then I'm with you. Let's do it. I said, deal. So we got on the phone. I called Mr. Fry and (laughs) What do you think Mr. Fry said? He said, yeah, Dan, do it. Nice. Uh, Absolutely. You're young. Go for it. And how old were you at this time? Late 30s? Yes. No. No, even later. No. um, So, you know, my dates are are a little. um, (laughs) I was probably close to 45. Okay. Okay, by this time I had saved up uh, in these annuities, you know, some some money. So, Mr. Fry said, absolutely. My wife gave me the green light. And um, I said, all right, all right. So, 
Now, this is where I have to say, uh, I might lose some people here, but I don't really care. It's the truth. This is what I am. I'm a spiritual person. I believe in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, And everything I do, I pray about. And everything I've done, I prayed about. So um, I prayed about this. And the holidays were over that year. And it was uh, 04 or 05, some, one of those two. 04, I think. Christmas break was between Christmas and New Year's. Christmas was over like yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I prayed about uh, what I did next. So, um, and, and by the way, when I pray, I always, a lot of times they ask God, give me a really clear answer. <laughs> and, you know, because I want to know for sure. And, and, you know, usually my answers are yes, no, or wait. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I prayed about this. And I did my research online ahead of time. And I just, I looked up, where's the best place I could go for deer hunting? Because I, it, all this time, I've been prime and pump with my kids with deer hunting. I take them out deer hunting. I found places to go local and stuff like that. And they loved it. So anyways, I looked up on the computer and it said Pike County, Illinois. I looked at all the records. Oh my gosh, lots of deer. I said, all right, if that's the, if I'm going to do this, I want to go to the best place. Mm-hmm. I looked up, read about it. I called the realtors in the area and in 05, believe it or not, there was like nothing available. It was very popular, Pike County. And so everybody- it was, it was really popular then. So that was like on the rise then. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And everybody in the world, it was like, uh, you know, everybody thought, you know, they, they thought monsters were around their retreat. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I, I got the blessing. I had my checkbook. I, call, I called there. I called down there and all the realtors said, nope, there's nothing available. available. And it was true. Everything, there was nothing available. But I said to myself, come on, I've got a savings. And there, you can't tell me that there's nothing available. I have to go see by myself. So, and I did make a couple phone calls where people would talk to me. So I went straight to Pittsfield, Illinois. And I saw a couple signs for sale. And I thought that was interesting. Um, but uh, there were, uh, I went to one realtor there. I just walked in the door. He had, no, we got nothing. And uh, so then um, I met a few people down there. Um, I met uh, Stacy Ward from Hadley Creek, who treated me really well. He showed me some stuff, but it really wasn't available. Uh, but then I met Dan Perez, mm-hmm. and that was before Whitetail Properties, which is yeah. kind of crazy in the grand scheme of uh, of everything, too. It's, that's a very interesting part of the story. It is. Um, because again, I've never not going to be convicted of being a very shrewd businessman. Um, but and I'm a suburban guy. Yeah. So uh, these guys knew what I wanted. They knew that I had my savings, and they knew what would be good for me. And they tried to find me properties that would uh, be good for me. So. Um, I, uh, I wound up using their advice and they would show me, they were, they would actually, they showed me, uh, some properties that were not good for me and they wouldn't let me buy them. They said, nope, that's not good for you. You won't be happy with that. And what that means is income property or recreational property and balancing the two. So, um, and I wound up buying one farm and uh as a matter of fact uh one of dan's guys rob saunders um he called me we uh this was an 80 acre farm and he's he we i struck a deal with him i said hey let's just buy it for i think it was twenty eight hundred dollars an acre and uh it was he said we can get it done we can get this farm which is really hard to believe so anyways because at the time, nothing was available. This was a before listing deal. They just knew somebody. So anyways, 
he called me up uh, a few days later and says, hey, it's not going to be 2,800 an acre. Uh, I said, okay, what is it? He goes, we'll get it for you for 2,700 an acre. Oh, nice. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? What does that mean? Because I can trust this guy. Because mm-hmm. how many times will somebody say, hey, wait a minute, I'm going to get you. You agree to this price, but I think we can do better. Mm-hmm. And he's, and and like Dan had another property that he was that I asked him about. He goes, no, that's not good for you. All right, let me let me just put a pin in it right now. What I'm telling talking about is land. I could never afford recreational only land. So, so no income. So no income is not. I could not do that. Mm-hmm. I had to have some form of income. Mm-hmm. So, um, then the first farm, uh, was, uh, the 80 acres and and other farms weren't available. And I talked to my financial advisor. He goes, Dan, if you can do this, I think you should sell your, get rid of your annuities and buy the farms. And, uh, and actually I did too. And he actually told me to do three. Wow. Um, So, uh, what happened was. Um, I, the, the 80 acre farm we had for a year and still it was really hard to find a farm for sale and I wound up being able to sell that farm Dan found the buyer and uh, it was not hard to do well kind of things were getting tricky um, and uh, I was able to take some money out of that and buy another farm so basically what happened each here's my point each of the farms, I wound up buying three farms mm-hmm. and I relied totally on the land specialists to the point where the, uh, the next farm I bought, there was uh, about 70% um, tillable on it. And that worked out good as far as being able to uh, afford the payment. Um, but I did not go around when they, when he told me that this is a good one for you i didn't scour i didn't go knock on neighbor's doors how do you hunt mm-hmm. uh um you know uh, how much exactly um there's how much you know i didn't scour every detail i did what i could uh but when dan said this is one you know i didn't even walk the whole farm i said okay i wound up doing the same thing on another farm that was uh, 150, the first one was 160 acres, only 80, 168. Then the next one was 155 acres. And it was the same thing. I He took me to it. He pointed out at a distance where the boundaries were. Mm-hmm. I go, is this, is this good? Is this the one I should buy? He goes, absolutely. You know, let's get out there. And I'm like, no, is it good? He goes, yeah. I said, okay. That that was my um, that was your due diligence. If it was that was my due diligence, I <laughs> yeah. trusted. And then he called Dan, called me up. He's like, "Okay, there's this 140 acre parcel. You have to get this farm. It's a little high price, but this is what you're looking for." And I thought I was done at two farms. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, "Are you kidding?" He goes. He would, so anyways, he, he pushed, he, he didn't push. He just told him, Dan, you can do it. This is the one for you. So the only way I could do that farm is if I bought it and, and I leased out the hunting. So okay. in other words, it, I, it had $11,000 in hunting income. Uh, so in other words, I uh, felt it was better to own it and not hunted than to not own own it at all. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's a little bit about what happened. Okay, um, so so wait, uh, so was that the one? What farm was this? The one sixty eight or one fifty five? That was a one forty. Okay, that was a one forty. So and and you bought it just uh, the numbers worked well, and it was a longer term play, or I guess what was your thought process yes. on it? Okay. Is all of them were long term, and I want to go back to to why. So, okay. uh, but here, here, this is a little bit about what happened and how. And I'm going to bounce back and forth between why and how, and then what happened. You know, we'll just bounce. But sure. so, 
that's what happened. I wound up with three farms in Pike County. Now, I know this isn't for everybody, but I was very aggressive in my savings. I want to go back to my savings plan. Um, uh, and then I want to talk a little bit about the why, but you already know most of the why, but here, the savings plan. Now, part of this, I'm going to lose a lot of people on what I did next or what I, what I did, but this is the truth and it's very different. And I'm, I'm surprised I haven't heard this, to be honest with you, from anybody else, but this is what I, this is how I've run my life. I, uh, first of all, as far as savings go, um, I had a wise guy, one of my best, my best friend's father said, it's not a how much you make, it's a how much you save. Mm-hmm. So if you make $100,000 and you spend $110,000, you know, you're not going to get anything. But if you make $40,000 and you could save $10,000, you know, who's better off? Um, but that's just about my savings. But my, the, the radical part about what I did was everything I did, I did with 90% of my income. Um, I learned at church to trust in God. And what here's where I'm going to lose a lot of people. And not only do I pray about everything I do, but I give, I give to God. I give back. So when it, so I told you 90% of my income, mm-hmm. I was on a 10-10-80 plan. First thing I did was give back to God as he calls us to do. Then I took, that's 10%. Mm-hmm. Then I took 10% and I paid myself that savings. And then I lived on 80%. Mm-hmm. So I learned that in the beginning, a lot, you know, in the early going, and I tested that out. And I could honestly say that for me, uh, I, God never, I, 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 I was never walking alone, even though I really had no net. This is what, uh, this is what I based my life on. So I, I pray about every move I make. And this is how I, this is how I be, went about saving money and paying my bills at the same time and raising my family. Um, okay. Uh, and there's, all right. So then when I decided to do this, I knew this was going to be tough. So this was uh, in the, the four savings thing. I wasn't smart enough to do that on myself, on my own. I did that and it was, it was hard to do, but I was focusing on taking one for the team. I figured the team being my family, I'm going to do the savings things. I'm, we're going to do without some fancy vacations fancy vehicles or uh, frills for a short period of time. But then as Dave Ramsey talks, he says, live today like no other. So you can live tomorrow like no other. So I was at, at one time, I owned three farms in Pike County, Illinois. And I was driving a 15 year old Jeep. That was worth, I bought for 1500 bucks and I drove that thing for, uh, I don't know, six, seven years. So um, I couldn't, I never would even think about going out and buying a brand new truck or a bass boat or, you know, film or fancy. I was never, you know, I, my focus was on my family and taking one for the team here because when my life uh, time was passing and, and in my life, I could see that my family was really important. And if I could leave them something and, and they would appreciate it, that would be a lot better than a, a handful of rental properties or money. I could care less about leaving money. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, the legacy, not bringing glory to me, but just so my kids can enjoy the outdoors and recreation. So 
Um, all right, that was more of the why. Um, uh, make sure I have, I wrote down a few of these points. I wanted to make sure. Okay. Um, well, yeah, right. I mean, and just to boil down the why, when we talked uh, initially too, I mean, the biggest thing was just to leave, uh, leave a legacy with your family and, and share that passion with them. Like you mentioned, you were shed hunting this weekend and all the memories that you guys have, I'm sure had on those farms was a, a big part of it too, but it also, uh, it scratched multiple itches in terms of uh, building a legacy and then obviously getting the enjoyment off of it. And also uh, it was a sound investment. Absolutely. So there's, we're going to get to the, another thing I, about the income and owning the property, we're going to get to that. Um, but I want to talk about um, the path along the way. Once I got the first piece of property, what happened next was it was still hard. And uh, money, I was always still chasing money. But uh, my kids immediately, they were like, oh, dad. And we drove there all the time. And what happened next was better than I ever could have dreamt. Not only did my kids come, they, um, oh, and this, the experiences, oh, my gosh, through the roof. So as I was still working and saving as a carpenter, we were enjoying unbelievable experiences year round, you know, food plot, shed hunting, uh, hunting, coyote hunting, turkey hunting, all of this stuff. It opened up this whole nother world. So while I was working hard, we started enjoying right away mm-hmm. and it really made it a lot easier. And, you know, and when I'm out and when I was out working, doing my carpentry thing and things were bad, I always had that happy place. I, t- I put my mind to thinking, well, yeah, but, you know, we're working towards this and we're, we're having fun like this. So, uh, my, some, uh, my kids got married and their spouses came. Oh my gosh. And they were passionate about it. this thing just keeps rolling. So as I was working hard and as I was making these payments, the, uh, I was enjoying immediately. So I want to encourage young men, young women that, if you can, it's not instant gratification, but if you can live like no other for a period of time, it'll set you up the rest of your life. And not, you know, I'm not talking just financially. So I can't emphasize enough how if this is a life changer and a legacy changer. So um, let's go back to the investment part of it. Um, why did I stop at the amount of farms that I did buy? You know, I only had enough savings to get the down payment for the three farms. So, um, I had, uh, I reached a point where I would be praying about it and that would, God would say, that's it. Take it easier. So, cause you could keep looking to buy more farms and work and leverage and trying to stretch it out and maybe get reaching at some point you got to say, Hey, 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 don't be, you know, farm, farm rich, but money poor. There's a limit. You have to know your own limits. Um, so, um, that's where, so I was, I, I was good with, um, and I even saw some great, incredible farms that really looked interesting and I could do this and leverage that. Uh, uh, I, I just never got, I was, God never, God never told me to do any more than what I did like that. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about what made the dollars and cents work and what I learned about buying a farm and what make, made it a farm to buy versus others and how this all worked. So, you know, fast forward, there's a, you know, Anybody that's listening, just hang on a minute because I'm going to explain something that happened. But in the meantime, one more thing about how I got here. Um, so when I made a down payment on the farm and I bought a farm, I could never buy just recreational farm. I had to have some form of income. And a lot of you guys already know forms of income are, you know, crops, maybe a tree harvest 
and hunting income, leasing out the hunting, which was it. And I was in a place where I was able to get good hunting income because Pike County, everybody was, you know, yeah, that's the epicenter of <laughs> income for hunting. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. So, um, here's the thing, here's the math and I'm, here's the math that I didn't know, but this is one of the beauty, beauties of praying. I didn't know this, but this is just what happened. Uh, yes, I bought the farms when they were around three twenty eight hundred to $3,000 in a year. Yeah, they wound up. All right, so anybody's listening, I wound up selling these farms, and it was like a 15-year deal to buy another farm. So, um, but I, what I didn't realize, and I was just trusting in God as I went, was that, yeah, it's good to buy a farm that goes up in value. No question. But even more was that when I, uh, I had my, the, the amount of money that I could afford monthly to keep these things rolling because they were a negative cash flow. And believe it or not, it was only about $1,000 a month. Wow. Negative cash flow. On how many acres? 455. Yeah, that's crazy. So I had income from the, you know, corn and beans and uh and so on. So here's what happened. I wound up over 50 in a 15-year period. And it's again, this is not get rich quick, so we're gonna lose a lot of people here. But here's the deal: the money that the equity that was accumulated was not just the property property going up in value what happened was if i got a thirteen thousand dollar paycheck from cash renting or a ten thousand dollar paycheck from cash renting or eleven thousand dollars from a hunting lease um that money goes to the bank and what happens is the three farms, I wound up paying the bank like, gosh, I don't know, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year over the three farms. So when you give money to the bank, it goes towards principal and interest. So the principal got paid down over 15 years. And anything that went towards interest was the tax deduction. So I can't save money out of my paycheck that fast. If my equity position goes up $40,000, $50,000 just from other people paying in, uh, payments to me, I can't save that. But that means my equity position goes up that much exponential. So I realized early in the early going, just keep going. When it was really tough, I just said, keep going. because. I knew eventually this was going to pay off. And even if land stayed the same, my equity would be uh, much greater. And, and it wouldn't be Dan doing carpentry to uh, increase this equity. It would be, you know, getting on this train and uh, working at it like that. So what I had to say is, uh, Right now, land prices are high. Um, but I would tell anybody getting wanting to get in this position right now to save money the best you can. And don't think just a little bit. I'm, I don't have enough. I can't save anything. And don't, uh, don't forget that. Uh, I, try it. Try it. Also, try not buying something sometime that really makes sense to buy. But at the same time, think about what could be and what you could do for your family. Don't lose that because it is much worth more worth it. I told you it took me 15 years. If I would have bought a brand new uh, pickup truck in 05, where would that, pay, that pickup truck be right now? Fine. It wouldn't be on my driveway. I was going to say yeah. Yeah. That's a so, good point. Um, so uh, 
don't uh, miss out on the fact that uh, it's uh, what uh, payments, income payments for the land can do. But right now, things are, like I said, things are uh, high priced. So what would I do right now to get in to a piece of land? I would pray about it and see what God's got for you. Pray about it. Taste and see. God is good. He will take care of you. And don't look for the best deal, the steal of a lifetime, because it's not going to happen. If you wait for a steal of a lifetime, you know, yeah, maybe it's out there, but the odds are against you. But uh, I would uh, first save some money and just have faith that something good's about to happen. Um, uh, I would put faith first along with Satan and put it into action by saving. And, and don't forget what I said about 10, 10, 80. All right. Yeah. Um, so when you say don't wait for, you know, the deal of the century, because I think people fall victim to that often. And then they sit on the sidelines for however long. I mean, what, what words of wisdom do you have on, on finding that first farm? Obviously for you, it was uh, getting a, a parcel that had some level of income to offset the payment. Right. If it means you have to buy a property that's more, uh, has more income than it does, you know, bedding and, and, you know, recreational timber, uh, your first move has got to be what's the income? What can you, uh, derive from it. And if you have to buy a property and people look out there, if you could buy a property that has some income on it, and it also has, in, don't, don't forget the hunting income. Even if it means you own the property, but you can't afford to hunt it, get into it and get on the tracks. Because when this train starts to roll, eventually you'll be able to maybe go hunting on it or maybe it changes your position. Like I said, if, if you have income on the property over a few years time, you're stuck. You can't save money out of your paycheck that fast, mm -hmm. but you're going to have to probably have to take on your new four savings will be the land payments. Your new four savings will be, I have to add this to the income I'm getting from the land. And then my equity position is going to rise and it's not going to be instant gratification, but uh, my team, my family will eventually benefit from this. So does that make any sense? Yeah, I think that makes, that makes perfect sense. I think the theme here is for savings, whether it's, you know, building up that initial down payment to go buy your first piece of farm or first farm. And then once you do that, then the new four savings is the farm. Yes, it is. And, you know, it's a bought a farm that had, hey, even if it was 10 acres or five or, or something, you know, uh, let's just, you know, do the math. Uh, if you bought 40 acres, if you wanted to get on 40 acres, and it was $5,000 an acre, $200,000. Um, what are the payments on $200,000? Um, I don't know, maybe it's ten or twelve thousand dollars a year. Um, if you got half of that from some kind of income, and then you contributed the rest, you're rolling now. Mm -hmm. Now you got the train is on the tracks. And don't get caught up. If maybe they want 250 for it. Oh my gosh, they want more than it's worth. I don't want to buy high and then it goes down in value. Well, that's a possibility. When I was in Pike County, I bought, it went up. In in 08, everything hit the fan. And in my opinion, and I and I scour the internet all the time, for a many year period of time, it went horizontal in Pike County. It did not go up, it did not go down. Mm -hmm. It was it just stayed the same for the longest time. So um, if you buy a 40-acre property and it goes level horizontal, it, you know, it's gonna over time it's gonna it's gonna jump back up. Mm -hmm. But if you don't focus just on how much the value of the property is, keep an eye on the bank account. Keep an eye on your principal and interest. 
and you will see that you're gaining equity. Your equity position is, and next thing you know, you're up ready to maybe make another move or you can get into a 60 or an 80 acre farm and, and you're still going to have to, you know, take some money out of your pocket to make it happen. So, yeah. I, you know, how do I know this? Because here's the rest of the story, what happened to me. I thought I was never going to leave Pike County. We had so much fun there. I loved it so much. But this was going to be my deal and my legacy. I was going to leave these farms to my kids. And we would never, I was emotionally attached. We would never sell these farms. This was it. So, you know, for entertainment, I always scour listings for sale. I kind of learned that from my dad because my dad, when I was a kid, even though he didn't have any money, on Sundays, he would get these things from United Farm Realty in the mail. And there were listings for property in Wisconsin for sale. And my dad would sit there and, and read them and dream. And that he could never buy, but he would dream. Um, so um, I learned that from him to uh, keep reading and dreaming. So. What happened was I came across this piece of property and I'm like, what? It was 388 acres in one spot and it had a mixture of recreational and income where the numbers would be good, but it was one spot and it was closer to home. And I'm like, what? So what did I do? I prayed about it. And after a few days, I, I told my son, you're not going to believe this, but I found something I think we should look at. Well, he's like, are you kidding me? So anyways, we, um, I looked at it and we, and we prayed about it. I'm like, we should look into this. So we checked into it and it, was, it seemed like a really good move. But I've got my three farms in Pike County. I, you know, I need to cash out of them. Well. Going back to finding a land specialist, the, the properties that Dan showed me and Stacy too, showed me to look at and buy um, were in high demand and my neighbors wanted them badly. And I was able to sell in one day my properties at the right number to make this 1031 exchange happen. So combination of everything I just told you about how I got here and what, you know, why I got here. A key thing also was the guys that directed me to buy what property um, were an influential in me making the right decision. And like I said, I didn't do due diligence mm -hmm. like, like a wiser man might have done. But they steered me in the right direction, and I wound up being able to sell those and buy this other farm all in one place, and we can't believe it. It's a gift from God. Um, so That's really cool. So, you know, walk through a little bit of, of the actual the sale. So the, the neighbors bought it, you mentioned? Yeah. And so... Did uh did you approach the neighbors or did your broker approach the neighbors and say, hey, we think we're gonna sell this any interest? Or how did that how did that work? This is these are only God moments. One of the neighbors just happened to call me up. Oh, hey, you wouldn't be would you wouldn't be willing to sell your farm, would you? That's one. The other two farms were like this. I told you about the 140 where I couldn't even afford to hunt it. Mm -hmm. Well, it just turns out. It was between two very wealthy people, and both of them owned 5,000 acre. And guess who was stuck in between them? <laughs> yeah. And, um, they wound up having a heated discussion about who was going to get it. So my whole deal was I needed to make this 1031 exchange thing work. Um, so um, the guy that wound up, who wanted the one farm so bad and with all due respect to him, he, he, he really wanted it. 
I said to him, you know, I've got this other farm too. If you buy them both, you got a deal. Mm-hmm. So he wound up getting, buying the other farm just to get the one farm. And uh, that's how that happened. So um, having, wow. it I wound up paying zero in commission too, because they'd sold them to the neighbors. Yeah. Never even looked. That's, um, that's beautiful. <laughs> so um, at the end of the day, God is good. I prayed about everything. He was, you know, I tasted it, you know, you know, he was faithful in everything. And uh, um, now I've got, I'm 68 and and I love going to the farm and I love my kids. They, they're calling me every day. Oh my gosh. And when the pictures come out, oh my gosh, I got these uh, cutting back cameras and they, oh my gosh, we had, what, we had 28 cameras and our phones are ringing all the time. And they're seeing <laughs> And we're enjoying the farms immensely. We go there. I mean, we're doing food plot stuff. We're talking about, I mean, everybody's passionate about it. And I'm, now my, my grandkids are coming with me and they're excited about it. And I'll tell anybody out there, man, I thought it was awesome going out there with my kids. But when my grandkids come, oh my gosh, it's like, yeah, it's just unreal. So that's, that's really cool. It's really worth it. Um, so that's what my message. If anybody would like to, I would if if I could help anybody, I'd love to be able to do it. I don't want to put my phone number on on the internet, but you know they can call you maybe, and you can sure. refer to me. Yeah, yeah, they can reach uh-huh. out. They can they can sign and uh, send an email or give me a shout or give me a text call, Instagram DM, whatever works. But I have some uh, I have some more general questions though. So. Did you make any mistakes along the way of like, oh gosh, I, I regret doing that or, you know, anything of that nature or was it pretty much smooth sailing? Um, I didn't make any monster mistakes. Um, I guess I could have been, most of the mistakes I made were in food plots and stuff. But as far <laughs> as the land investment, I uh, can't say no, I, I I don't have any regrets about the land mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't have bought any more than I did. I mean, that's a key thing where if I would have reached out, I would have made, I could have made mistakes. And I was looking at other properties. I could have done more leverage. You know what I mean? Uh, but you got to be careful because you could wind up making a, a shrewd move that you can't afford later. And there was a lot of times where everything, um, it sounded grand buying these other, other farms. And then when it came time to like, don't forget, you got to write a check here. Then I was like, Whoa, easy now. Um, I could have made some of the mistakes, but I never got to, I never felt led to do it. Mm-hmm. So um, I probably made more mistakes than I realized that I can't. So you asked me if I made mistakes. I'm sure I did. Nothing um, I catastrophic just, though. Yeah. None come to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, When you buy land, it's really, if you can get into land, man, I've been in, um, by the way, when, um, if I would, I was going to, my other choice uh, was to spend my savings on more townhouses. Mm -hmm. I would have lost those in 08. Uh, The the economy had a downturn. I would have lost all that, all that savings. Um, But if you invest in land, not the not the stock market, I learned not to do with stock market. Um, if you buy, if you invest in land, let's face it: if a plane hits a building and the stock market crashes, God forbid, or one country invades another and stock market crashes, they control you. And I had an uncle tell me one time: invest in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so. If you want to drive the bus and get in the, uh, in the driver's seat, for me, this was the way to go. I'm sure Wall Street guys would would look at my position and my equities and say, hey, you could do this and you could do that. Maybe they're probably, maybe they'd be right. But I was a little more conservative. So mm-hmm. um, well, that's good advice. So, I mean, would you say most of your like, quote unquote, retirement was is in land and like that's been your core investment throughout your lifetime? Yes, I never stopped paying myself though. 
Mm-hmm. And I, um, after I stopped investing in land, I kept going with my forced savings. I'm still forced savings right now. I don't know what I'm waiting for, but I'm still <laughs> saving money the way I, I learned how to do that. And I just never stopped. By the way, 10, 10, 80, I, I have automatic withdrawals and, and I give back to God and I give back to, um, and I, and I pay myself the whole time. So um, how, how important do you think it is for it to be automatic in your opinion? It's monster because um, I wouldn't do it. It's hard to look at your paycheck and go, okay, let's separate 10% here for someday. We got to save us. Oh yeah. But the, you know, you're not going to believe this. The car broke down or you're not going to believe this. The roof needs to get fixed or yeah. But if it's for savings, I have this mental block about touching it or I'd have to call the, the guy, financial guy up and say, look, I need to draw down. So like, I got to get some money out of this. Um, it, it was like a thing I decided I would never do. Mm-hmm. So if that was untouchable mentally for me, that's what made it through the hard times all the time. And God provided all the time. So for savings, yes, are extremely for some people, every, there's some people that are very good with um, discipline. And, uh, you know, there's always something. And as far as my kids in college were concerned, um, I always prayed about, God, if you want me to send them to college, whatever it is, you'll make it happen. He did. He did make that happen, too. Wow. Um, so. uh Oh, you got any other questions, <laughs> man? I, I could talk to you all day. It's, it's always great when someone who, you know, has, has a lot, a lot of experience, you can't, you can't, I mean, that's just, it comes with time. That's simply, simply put, it comes with time. And for someone, you know, like yourself to come on here and share the lessons you've learned really over the last 50 years, and maybe the last, you know, however many years of, of land ownership and the decisions that, you know, have, have proved to be good on many levels. And I think that's important for someone to hear. And there's a lot of common themes there of just for savings and, you know, beyond the investment of land, but whatever, what all goes with that in terms of the memories, time spent, uh, you know, spending more time with your kids and grandkids now, you know, what value is that? Gosh, I don't know. You tell me, it seems to be pretty important. Oh my gosh. At the end of the day, I can tell you now I'm 68. Money means nothing to me. Money means nothing to me. Most important things besides God to me is my family and the experiences that we can have together. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm 68, but um, I work out every day in the gym and I have, uh, and I have a saying I'm training for my nineties. So <laughs> I, I plan on uh, as my plan, God's got his own plan for me, but um, I plan on uh being physically fit to enjoy these experiences with my grandkids and on from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but it, all of this now for a period of my life where I had to be sacrificial, the benefits go for decades. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. I, th- I think that's really important. And gosh, I just want to say thank you for your time and sharing your story and uh, anything else here before before I cut you? When do you? When do you? Let me ask you this: Are you ever going to retire? Or are you just going to keep doing construction for uh, as long as you're you're able to? Um, well, you get to be my age. The next word that comes into your mind is purpose. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was going to retire a few years ago, but um, um, I, purpose to me, I, money means nothing. Um, being productive and helping people is the most important thing. So as far as retiring, if I could do something, um, oh, I don't know. I'll just keep praying about that. Um, so, uh, yeah, moving forward, uh, if I would like to help some people though with land, mm-hmm. if I could help somebody and get, and just help mentor them, um, I like, that's what I'd like to do along with, you know, other things I'm doing with my family, obviously. Sure. Um, uh, so retirement purpose is more important. Yep. That's cool. That's that, that makes complete sense. And I hope someone uh, makes a point to reach out and takes you up on the opportunity to, to get a little guidance from, 
from yourself and maybe bounce a few questions around, bounce a few ideas. And I think that's, uh, could be certainly invaluable for someone. So, um, I was one last thing. I just want to make this is more solidify this last point. Yeah. All of this is with God's help. And I would never consider going through life without him because without him, I promise you, I would not be in this position. I would, you talk about mistakes, then the mistakes would come because leave it up to me uh, yeah, without him. So if I was somebody young, the first thing I would do, and you don't have to be young, young, you're 50 years old or on any, any age, the first thing I would do is stop and pray and then just see what happens next. Fair advice. Very fair advice. So yeah, I, I just want to say thank you once again, and I hope someone takes you up on uh, at least bouncing some ideas. And I think uh, I, re- I just really appreciate it. Make a, appreciate that you made a point to reach out, and it's been great to, to get connected with you. Yeah, it was fun. I agree. So thank you very much. There you guys have it. want to say thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. As always, we will see you again next Monday at 5 a.m. If you want to check out the other Exodus podcasts, you can check out Trocam Radio on Tuesday and the Deer Gear podcast on Friday. So be sure to check those out. And until next time, see you guys. Have a great week.